0: For a couple thousand years now, Christians have been busy, busy, busy trying to clean up Jesus' manger, trying to tidy it up, you know, make it pretty. I mean, you've seen the paintings and the displays of the manger scenes, right? Jesus' swaddling clothes are awfully white. The straw he's lying on is awfully clean. And you know, the animals in the background, you know, they've all had their hair washed, dried, and combed. (laughs) I've even seen, in one manger scene, I saw Christmas lights strung around the manger. It's a cozy little scene, isn't it? It's warm and happy and clean. But is it true to reality? Not at all. Not at all. So why then do we do this? Why are we so busy cleaning up the cattle shed for Jesus? Why do we do it? It's because we simply don't know what to do with a poor and filthy God. We don't know what to do with Him. With a God become flesh. Born amid straw and the stench of a barnyard. It goes against everything we expect God to be like. You know, we expect God to be clean at least, right? We expect God to be glorious, to be high and enthroned in lights. And so our brains, our brains short circuit when we find God in a feeding trough. When we see him dirty instead of clean, low instead of high. But that's the whole point of Christmas. It's the whole point. It's to show us the real God. And that's the whole point of this sermon series that we're in for this Christmas season. I want us to see the real God of Christmas, the gentle and lowly God who wonderfully defies our expectations of Him. You see, our dreams of a clean and beautiful first Christmas have sadly crept their way into our own Christmases. Here's what I mean. Let me first ask you this. How are your Christmas preparations going? How are they going? You know, you've got food to plan for, presents to buy, guests to invite, and decorations to put up. All that should be kicking into high gear right about now, right? I mean, unless you're a procrastinator and wait till like Christmas Eve or something, right? I'm with you. But if you're not a procrastinator like me and Nick, that should kind of be going on right now, right? You're preparing for all the things that Christmas entails. Now, what's interesting to me is that most people, most people look forward to Christmas. But as Christmas approaches, we're filled with anxiety. We're filled with stress the closer it gets. And when Christmas finally does arrive, it's amazing how lackluster it can be. In fact, we know that the Christmas season is when the most people in the United States are depressed. It's during this season that most people are anxious and depressed. And I get that there are multi-layered reasons for that. But at least part of the reason for the anxiety and depression this time of year is the weight of expectations that Christmas brings. You know, Christmas is supposed to be magical and joyful. It's supposed to be pretty and clean. The best time of the year. But the promise of the holiday rarely fulfills itself. Sometimes, sure, sometimes. But most of the time, hmm, not so much. Not so much. And both Christians and non-Christians this time of year have high hopes. They've got high hopes for the Christmas season. The holidays promise joy and peace but let's be real, just for a minute. How many broken promises can you list in your life, either that were made to you or that you made to others? My list is pretty long. Or how many relationships or events in your life did you anticipate with great expectation that simply didn't deliver? What you thought they would didn't live up to the promise my list is pretty long there too unmet expectations are everywhere especially this time of year and hey what about your spiritual life what about your walk with god there seem to be big expectations of moral thought and behavior put on christians right Especially this time of year, there's big moral expectations. And would you like to know that the Apostle Paul actually lists some for us? Yeah? He actually lists some of these expectations for Christians in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And that's where we're going to turn this morning. If you have your Bible, you can turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And we're going to look at verses 16 through 22 to start with. Uh, And if you don't have your Bible with you, it's okay. The verses will be on the screen behind me. So we're going to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Thessalonica. So we'll start with verse 16. We'll go through 22. So here's the list of expectations. Let's check them out. Here's what Paul says. Verse 16. He says, Rejoice always. Pray always continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. This is God's word. Okay. So these are some expectations that Paul has for the Christian life. Now, the word sanctification is very popular nowadays. You'll hear it a lot in in the church world. Pastors and Christians talk a lot about sanctification, being sanctified. Well, this is just, you know, this is just part of my sanctification. You know, Christians will say that all the time. And so, if you want to live the sanctified life, here's the list. Here it is, at least part of it, right? Here's the list for the sanctified life. So, it's reasonable then at this point to ask, how are you doing? How are you doing? How's the list going for you? Are you checking all the boxes of Paul's list? Well, let's find out together, shall we? Let's go back through them one by one. Number one, Paul says, rejoice always. Always. How's that one going? Going pretty good? (laughs) Are you overcome with rejoicing? Is joy just spilling out of your ears in all situations at all times? Hmm. Let's move quickly to the next one, shall we? The next one, Paul says, number two, he says, pray without ceasing, pray continually. Now, I have to admit, I'm really good at this one. I'm really good at this one. You see, well, oh, oh, wait wait a minute. I thought it said complain without ceasing. My bad, my bad. Now, if it did say that, I'd get an A plus. A plus, baby. I'd get a big star sticker for that one. But uh, praying without ceasing, praying continually, uh, yeah, not not so much. How about the next one? Paul says, "Give thanks in all circumstances. All circumstances." Now, I'll say this: We are pretty good at giving thanks on social media, on Thanksgiving Day. We're really good at that. I've seen y'all's posts. Well done. Well done. I had a really cute one, too, I thought. I, I worked really hard that morning on it. I thought it was pretty cute. You can look back at my timeline and see that. We are really good at giving thanks on Facebook on Thanksgiving Day. But in all circumstances, Yikes. Yikes. How about the next one? Paul says, do not quench the spirit. Do not quench the spirit. Now, what does he mean by that? What does it mean uh, to not quench the spirit? Well, it likely means a few different things. Uh, But I like what Martin Luther said uh, about quenching the spirit. He said this. He said, to quench the spirit is to despise or neglect the word of God. To despise or neglect the Word of God. Hmm. How's your Bible reading plan going? It's going good? <clears throat> uh, Google Calendar does this really cool thing. Really cool. So, uh, Google Calendar sends me a special alert every morning to remind me just how far behind i am in my bible reading plan <laughs> thanks google that's a great way to start the day <laughs> I'm like four books behind <laughs> in my bible reading plan thanks google for the reminder okay how about the next one paul says don't despise the prophets don't despise the words of the prophets. Now, this is a tough one. I mean, who likes to read the prophets? Right? I mean, have you, have you read Ezekiel lately? Have you read Obadiah lately? <laughs> the prophets are harsh, man. They're harsh. They bring the hammer down on my spiritual condition. Like, they don't mess around, really. They don't mince words. They're harsh. And I don't like that. I'll be honest. I like the words I say about myself better. I like that better. You see, the word I tell myself about myself is the most generous, self-supporting word imaginable. Mm -hmm. Filled with naivety and denial. Much Much more comforting than Habakkuk (laughs) or Hosea. Much more comforting. Okay, and here's the last last one on the list. Paul says, hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) My, my, how easily the good eludes us. And how easily evil creeps in. The good, you know, Paul tells us to hold on to the good, but to me, I don't know about you, the good seems a little bit like water. (laughs) Like trying to grasp hold of water. It just like slips right through our hands. And then evil is like grabbing a hold of a clump of super glue or something. Like it just like sticks there. And then the more you try to like get it off, the more it spreads, (laughs) right? That's the way it seems to me anyway. And so Paul says that this list is at least part of what the Christian life is all about. Okay? That's what it's all about. These are the expectations. And they require great effort, obviously, If you've done any amount of honest retrospection in the last five minutes, it takes great, great effort. And it's an effort that is too much for us. It's too much. It's way too much, actually. I went over this list very carefully this week while preparing for the sermon And I found myself to be a failure on every item on the list. Every every one of them. I mean, there isn't one that I can feel good about. (laughs) Not even one. As it turns out, I'm not very good at sanctifying myself. I'm not very good at it. I am far from a faithful servant. I'm simply not up to it. I'm not. I'm not up to it. But you know what? I'm in pretty good company. You see, the Apostle Paul himself wasn't up to it either and neither were the Thessalonians he was writing to. And that's why Paul ends this beautiful yet sobering list with these words in verses 23 and 24. Let's read them together. Verse 23. May God himself, the God of of peace sanctify you through and through. (laughs) May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. (laughs) He will do it will do it. You see, folks, we think as far as the Christian life goes, we think we've got to work our way up, up, up to God. Up there in the clouds. Up there in the bright lights. And we forget all about Christmas. We forget That God came down, down, down to us. He came all the way down. You see, he didn't come part of the way down. He didn't come most of the way down and and kind of reach down for us so that we could reach up towards his hand and grab it. Oh, no. Our God came all the way down into our filth, into our mess, into our sin. Not so that he could give us a checklist to clean ourselves up. No, he came all the way down so that he could pick us up. So that he could clean away our stains. So that he could put us on his strong shoulders. And so that he could bring us home. My fellow Christians, you are not sanctifying yourself. You're not. You are not being faithful to Jesus. You're not. Oh, no. You're not sanctifying yourself. Jesus is sanctifying you. You're not being faithful. Jesus is being faithful to you. And he will do the work required. You see, he who began a good work in you will see it. To completion. He will see it to completion. The hope we have of the life that God wants for us does not reside within us. It does not. The truth is that what God requires, God himself provides. That is the wonderful truth of Christmas. What God requires, God provides but you know here we go here we go needlessly piling up expectation after expectation on ourselves at work at home at christmas and in our walk with god we just ooh the expectations we just pile them up i should be this and i should be that and i should have done this and i should have done that And what we do is we put ourselves in the chains of expectation. But the reality is, according to Scripture, is that we are free. We're free. (laughs) We're free. We're free from expectations because we are not in control of our own lives. If we were in control, yes, there would be some expectations on us, but we're not in control. No, the God who came all the way down for us, He is in total control. And He is working all things out in your life for His good purposes. He's doing it all. He's using everything in your life everything. All of your hopes, all of your doubts all of your wins, all of your failures, all of your joys, and all of your trials. He's using them all to conform you into the image of His Son. He's doing it. He's doing it. And you say, preacher, I don't know about that. I sure don't feel like I'm in the image of Jesus. I, I, don't, I don't see that. Like I, I look within myself and uh, I don't see any evidence of that happening in my life. And I respond to you by saying, yeah. I don't see it in my life either. I don't see it in my life either. It's not like, folks, that I look inside myself and I just see... All of this spiritual fruit just springing up everywhere. There's fruit here and fruit there. There's just fruit spilling out everywhere. That's not not what I see when I look in the mirror. When I look deep down inside, that's not what I see. I see doubts. (laughs) I see shortcomings. I see failures. I see sin. That's what I see in there. But thankfully, what Christmas especially teaches us is that Christianity is not built on our ability to examine ourselves. It's built entirely upon God's promises. Entirely! Right? It's not like it's built on God's promises plus your cooperation. Plus your good works. Plus your fill in the blank. Oh, no. No, no, no. Christianity is built on the promises, period. Period. And he has promised to sanctify me. And he has promised to sanctify you. He's promised. He promised. he promised to conform us into the image of His Son. And so that is what we cling to. Not the mirror. <laughs> we don't cling to the mirror. We cling to the promises. Not our self-evaluation. Because as it turns out, we're really bad at that, actually. <laughs> we're, we're not good fruit inspectors. We're really, really bad at that. We're really bad at looking inside ourselves and seeing what's really going on. So let me relieve you of that pressure this morning. (laughs) You can stop it. Stop clinging to self-evaluation of what's going on inside. Cling instead to the promises of God. He promised that he would conform you into the image of Jesus. And my friends, that's exactly what he's doing. <laughs> it's exactly what he's doing. Because you know what, if we're honest, we don't really even need a mirror. We don't need this grand self-reflection, okay? We already know good and well that we don't measure up. I mean, if you have done just a hair of self-reflection at this list we looked at earlier, you'd see that. I mean, we don't we don't need just a ton of self-evaluation. We know where we stand. <laughs> we know that we don't measure up to God's standard. We get that, right? We've made a mess of things. We have. And that's the whole point of the gospel. (laughs) It's the whole point of the gospel. We have made a mess of things. And Jesus came into our mess. He took the mess off of us and put it onto himself and nailed it to a cross the whole point of jesus's birth he was born into our mess that he might make us white as snow christ has done for us what we cannot ever do for ourselves sheep don't clean themselves folks do they they're not like cats you know like you don't, you don't pass a field of sheep and see them out in the field. Right? Sheep don't clean themselves. Who cleans the sheep? Yeah. The shepherd cleans the sheep. Oh, and he's real good at it. <laughs> he's real good. He's got you white as snow, baby. I mean, there ain't a spot on you, and there ain't a spot on me either. Despite any evidence that you might provide to the contrary, I don't care. Throw that evidence in the garbage. I'm going to roll with this. (laughs) I'm going to roll with the promises. That's what I'm going with. The promise that you're clean because of Jesus. And hey, you know what? I get that this is hard to believe. I get it. All right? I'm with you. It's hard to believe. It seems too good to be true. It it just does. And I get it. That I, you know, it it seems too good to be true that I can be clean and righteous because of what Jesus has done, not because of what I've done. That's, That's hard to believe. I get it. And the reason it's so hard to believe is that we've lived in this world long enough to know that nobody keeps their promises. Like nobody. Nobody. Us included. At best, our promises are kept half-heartedly. Nobody keeps their promises. But, what the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus proves is that when God promises something, you can take it to the bank. You can take it to the bank. It doesn't matter what evidence you can provide to the contrary. That's all irrelevant. If God promised it, it's good as gold. And I can prove it to you. God promised this in the Old Testament, saying, quote, My word does not return to me empty, but it accomplishes that which I propose that it shall do. And folks, on Christmas morning, 2,000 years ago, in a lowly manger in Bethlehem, God sent His Word. The Word came. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And He did not return to the Father empty-handed. No, but he would accomplish everything that the Father proposed. Everything. And what is that? What did the Father propose? He proposed to save and sanctify you. You. <laughs> you the one who just looked at this list along with me and realized if this is the Christian life, I have blown it. No, you haven't. (laughs) No, you haven't. Jesus Christ is your righteousness. Jesus Christ is your life. That's what the Father proposed for him. To be is your righteousness and your life he was born in a manger lived a perfect life went to the cross and walked out of the grave for you for you and for me (laughs) he did it as our great substitute He did it in our place. And his righteousness now counts as your righteousness. Folks, you are clean. You are. You're clean as a whistle. (laughs) Because of Jesus, you're clean. There is therefore nothing left for you to do. There's nothing left. There are no expectations for you to meet. There just aren't any. Because of Jesus, you are forever forgiven, righteous, and free. Your eternal future is secure, however, this life may unfold. It may go well, it may go very badly but that does not affect God's promise to you one iota that does not change for a moment God's intention to bring about the blissful future he promised for his people you say well i've blown it you don't know how big i've blown it i don't care it's totally irrelevant you know and you know what join the club join the club We've all blown it. (laughs) We blow it continuously. But thank God, the one who calls you is faithful. And he will do it. We just read it. (laughs) We just read it. He will do it. Thank God it ain't up to me or you (laughs) to get us there. And so whether or not you can sense it or feel it, the blessed Jesus is making you like him and he is bringing you to glory. He is. He promised. And so this Christmas season, we do not put our hopes where they do not belong. Way up in the clouds somewhere. (laughs) Up high in the glitter and lights no we put our hopes where they belong way 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 down low in a dark and dirty stable in bethlehem that's where we put our hope because folks The hope for the fulfillment of who we will be and the new world that God will make for us resides solely and exclusively in the baby and the cattle trough. Solely and exclusively in him. And that, folks, is really good news. (laughs) That's really good news. Because you and I, we blow it. But him, he never does. He never blows it. So I'll tell you what, let's do this. Let's do this, folks. Let's enjoy our Christmas preparations. All the food and all the presents. All the friends and family. Let's enjoy it no matter how it ends up. Because you know, it doesn't really matter. I mean, hey, maybe your Christmas dinner will be a spectacular success. (laughs) Or maybe you'll burn the kitchen down. Hey, maybe your kids will love the toys you spent so much time and money and effort on. Maybe they'll love them. Or maybe they'll spend most of their time playing with the boxes they came in. you know what? No matter how your Christmas turns out, it's okay. It's okay. There are no expectations on you. There aren't any. You're free. You're free. You're free to succeed. You're free to fail. Nothing's up to you anyway. It all rests on the baby in the manger. Everything does. And so it doesn't matter. The baby in the feeding trough, He came to free us from all our chains. All our chains of idolatry. All our chains of sin. All our chains of self-aggrandizing. He came to free us from all of our chains of expectations. He came to set us completely free. And whom the Son sets free is free indeed (laughs) our future is secure in him he has made it so so this christmas let us eat drink and be merry for tomorrow we live forever